Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we dive into this episode, I want to tell you about our sponsors, Cincy Shirts. Because look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we are huge fans of their work. Happy to have them on board as a sponsor. If you go on over to CincyShirts.com and check out with the code THEPOSTCINCY, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you there. They have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and in their two retail locations. Those locations are in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And if they don't have your size on the shelf there, they can actually print you one on the spot. This is a great local company. Please support them. And if you do, please use the promo code THEPOSTCINCY. Get 10% off for your troubles there. And on this episode, we are recapping just a fantastic win for FC Cincinnati against Toronto FC. Is there a flaw with this FCC team? It's hard to see one right now. A depleted roster did pretty well. In part two, we're talking about locking up Lucho and Noonan and Albright to long-term deals. It is concerning maybe that these guys don't have new contracts already and in part three we are already looking ahead to dc united at the weekend and that's going to be your postcast oh and joining me talk about all of that and more two gentlemen who are not recording from a closet we've got the <laughs> chief we've got grayson chief how did i'm gonna say the bailey feel last night i want to start off first by noting that any room can be a closet as long as you keep <laughs> clothes hanging up in it so it's the, true the, a closet is limited only by your imagination much like the status of center back is limited only by your imagination yes, if you yes. believe you are a center back and you have the, the heart of a center back you can be a center back regardless of what your position is on the official team roster yes. but uh to answer your question as as Evan uh, Loro said, vibes are high. Vibes were high in the Bailey last night. Vibes were high in the stadium. Vibes are high in the city. You had Jonathan yeah. India putting the Viking helmet on and the cape, pulling the sword out. Ellie De La Cruz on the field as well. There's so much going on right now. The vibes are immaculate, though. Yeah. Grayson, I, uh, I, I can't remember a game this season that felt that good coming out of that like we've had some good wins we've had some strong wins but like the momentum continuing the beat down i'll say the lowered expectations going into this one led to a pretty good pretty good uh post-game feeling yeah i mean it, it i can't imagine i can't remember the last time like i felt so good coming out of a game about literally everything that happened. Yes. And I was thinking about this with like Joey Votto the other day that like maybe the key to prolonging his career and letting him, you know, have fun at baseball again is to let him do all of the 
stupid, cringy social media TikTok <laughs> stuff that he does, you know, yes. to put on the Viking helmet on the field, <laughs> just whatever he, whatever he wants to do. And then I'm like, I was looking at the guys pulling at Jonathan India, pulling the sword out and you yeah. know, the reds all there together and he's got the Viking helmet and the Cape. And I'm like, you know, I thought the sword thing was stupid, but now I've seen enough of these that like I got kind of amped up for like, you know, Matt Bonner did a nice job with it. Uh, Jibby, of course. Yeah. Um, did a great job with it. And I think all of the dumb stuff that, <laughs> that we thought was stupid. It, it turns out it's, it's good actually. No, it's, it turns out it's, it turns out it's good when you're winning, like when you're winning these games and the vibes are good and everyone's excited to be there selling out the stadium on a weeknight on a Wednesday, selling the place out. Yeah. That all the cringy shit looks fun as hell when you're in first place and you know, have what lost only one game on the year. So, so I was talking to some people the other day about, um, why like a lot of let's say popular art that's put out for, for consumption feels like bland and soulless. Mm -hmm. And it's because like you can do good or competent stuff and, and just kind of reproduce the kind of safe thing over and over and over again and never fail. But like to be truly great, you need to have the courage to suck, right? You need to have like, the, you need to, you need to have the, keep the possibility open that what you do is going to be terrible because it's like the only way to have like the freedom to yes. do something like wholly original this and, sounds, and, this and brilliant. This sounds like the pitch from those guys that took the submersible down to the Titanic. You yeah, have to I mean, not be afraid to suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes that, but that's like the whole, that's also like the whole, I guess, like uh, disruptive Silicon Valley thing, yeah. right? Like yeah. oh, we're, we're disrupting, like, like they're disrupting floating with their sub. <laughs> and breathing. Um, <laughs> but, but like, you know, letting, letting guys be themselves, you know, letting guys kind of, put their personalities out there, even if what they do is silly and kind of annoying. Um, it lets them express themselves, you know, at what they're doing with the level of freedom and, and, uh, uh, you know, you want them relaxed in a way that you don't get if they're also worried about being buttoned up or, only doing things that look cool. Right. Yeah, there was right. no risk of the there was a strong risk of the sword not looking cool. Yes. And every fact, time. When, yeah. When <laughs> when the idea was first pitched, I remember I was sitting in a meeting and I just I made eye contact with another person in the room and just gave the oh my God, what are we doing face? But <laughs> it never occurred to me that there would be an opportunity for the first place Cincinnati Reds to be on the field right. pulling the sword. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this, this kind of plays, this kind of slaps. The only problem though is that now we're on an escalating trajectory of which there is getting going to be a diminishingly fewer number of people that can really get the crowd hype to continue the reaction. 
And you're only a little bit of daylight away from like inviting Jeff and Jen from Q102 to pull the sword <laughs> and it all being kind of like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Which would have been the perfect Wednesday night guest, right? Like, hey, we just need somebody to get us through this. But no, how, how long do you think all of the Reds? <laughs> how long do you think before Bob Huggins pulls the sword? <laughs> Please, at least a year. <laughs> well, as long as he doesn't drive himself to the stadium, I think it'd be okay. Yeah. Um, so by the way, um, you know, Chief's comment that any room can be a closet. Um, that works the other way too. I know from I know from being a student that um, just because something a is a closet in the floor plan, you know, you could put a bed in there and now it's yeah. a bedroom. Yeah, Manhattan yes. Manhattan TikTok is wild. I've <laughs> I've seen some shit. Oh my god, no, this game. I mean. Look, we, we talk about the, the, the sword pulling ceremony ahead of time, but even before that, I I predicted a loss going into this one. I think most people, I don't know, this was like the most understandable loss you could see coming for some time. And I know we, we even got comments that like it doesn't really feel like a match day during the day before. Like those Wednesday days are always a little weird. And... Yeah, then then the game kicks off and suddenly well, you're before you've got even a sold the, out crowd. Yeah, yeah. Before even the game kicks off, they drop the lineup, and yes, there had been yes, some hope. Yes. There had been some hope from some tweets and some reporting <laughs> that maybe Sergio Santos and Nick Haglin were ready to play. They in fact were not. Um, no, neither one no. of them in the eighteen. Uh, you've got a backline of Ray Gaddis, Alvis Powell, and Ian Murphy. Yeah, please and when, run when, us through it here. And when Ian Murphy. <laughs> is the dean of the back line you're mentally preparing yourself for a little bit of a roller coaster experience um yuya kubo starting up top marco angulo who hasn't exactly filled anyone with confidence thus far in the midfield because it turns out junior moreno also picked up a knock in international duty so yeah the lineup drops and, and i remember thinking to myself man this is going to go one of two ways Either way it goes, I'm hammering the over in this game because it doesn't look like there's going to be a shortage of goals. And uh, yeah. even still, they kicked this game off and sold out crowd. Red's getting hype. And I convinced myself in that moment, oh, yeah, we got this. And it turns so, out. Yeah. <laughs> still still got this. I uh, with the lineup, I mean, the lineup changes. I mean, the back line was bizarre, right? Kubo in for Santos up top. Sure. Why not? You can see it. Angulo in for Moreno. Again, FCC is famous. You learn about a pretty devastating injury to the team when the lineup drops, when you're expecting a name and they're suddenly not there. And it's just sort of reported like, oh, yeah, he got injured in warmups for Venezuela. Didn't you know that? Like, come on, man. Like, nobody knows these things until you tell us. Um, but what got me was the bench. Uh, it was a who's who of who's that, really. I mean, Ordonez and Pinto, fine. We've seen Jimenez once in the Open Cup, but Valenzuela makes the bench sometimes. Halsey was added for this game alone. Uh, that's before you even get to Isaiah Foster and Joey Epinonu. And I I mean, we're, we're running out of London... Uh, Agato? Agito? I don't I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. I think it's Agato. I've never 
I've never seen him play. <laughs> like this is this is the FCC two team. This is this is the babies coming to uh, to back the team up. And man, you you got the feeling that if things didn't go right, there there wasn't a plan B. That, that the plan C was on the field. I don't know what was on the bench. And by the end of this, I mean obviously we'll talk about it, but like by the end of it. I leave this feeling really good about where the youngsters are and 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 where we look going forward. So, yeah, I I don't know. This was just a fun game. And, and Grayson, like you said, like I I don't want to get too big picture too quickly, but man, I'm I'm running out of flaws that FCC has just generally. Like anything you would have identified as a flaw just keeps not materializing as a flaw. <laughs> the, the flaw with this team remains the same. It's the same as it is, the same as it's always been, and that's that their plan A, B, C, D, E, and F is Lucho Acosta playing yes. the 10. And we almost we joked about it in the last episode, but if Lucho Acosta is on the field, he can make just about anything else around him work as long yes. as the tactics aren't being designed by Yop Stom. Um, <laughs> but this game kicks off and it's a very classic FC Cincinnati playbook where not interested in possessing the ball too much. I think consistently in this game, they were hovering around 35 to 36% possession. Yep. Um, very confident and very comfortable picking their spots, but also being incredibly disruptive in the midfield with Wobodo and Marco Angulo, who had far and away his best game, like not even close what number two is, best game playing in an FC Cincinnati uniform, just pesky, pesky the entire night. Toronto had limited ability to build in the midfield. They rarely got the ball into threatening positions in the final third. And in the limited time FC Cincinnati had the ball, they looked like they could do whatever they wanted to Toronto with Ariel and Arias in particular, basically being uncoverable going down both sides of the field. Yeah. The, yeah. The game, Toronto's yeah, please for all of Toronto's 63% possession. Um, they had four shots on goal and 0.7 XG which probably most of that came from Bernadeschi's uh, one good look early in the game. Yeah. Which is kind of where I was thinking go, because I mean, all of the fears of the back line in the first 20 seconds were sort of realized. I mean, absent the goal, uh, you know, as in Toronto scoring on us, it was everything you didn't want to see. It was a miscommunication. It was Toronto's attackers making fluid dynamic runs in the box behind guys. And Celentano hesitates for a second. You're like, oh my God, this is, we're going to see this for 90 minutes. This is going to be awful. And they withheld, they, they, they withstood the storm. And that was, yeah, like one of the only decent looks Toronto got all game. Like it took, I don't know, like a boxing analogy it took taking one punch to be like, all right, head, head in the game We're we're focused on this. We know what they're doing now. And they survived the first 15 minutes, which I think even Pat Brennan tweeted out was like probably the most important thing for this makeshift defense was just to see out a, an early stretch of this game without any major flaws. And they look good doing it. Ian Murphy 
looked really good doing a Matt Miazga impression and him and Gaddis in particular rushing into midfield to break up attacks was not what I had on my bingo card, as, as, as the people say. That was impressive. But that was where they needed to win this game. They needed to win this game in the midfield. They needed to make sure that Toronto had to work hard to even advance the ball into the attacking third, and that when the ball came into the attacking third, that there was always coverage moving backwards. They, they did a very, very good job. And the back line, their biggest contributions were just getting into passing lanes, disrupting yes. passing lanes, making Toronto seem very confident that they could get the ball, like play the through balls through. And Murphy in particular was incredible at just being in the way. and. When they transitioned the ball to offense, what you love to see from FC Cincinnati was that there was very little wasted offensive possession, that every time they seemed to move forward, they were either generating an attacking chance or in particular, a set piece chance. Um, they were dominating in set piece opportunities for the majority of the first half. I think they had all of the corner kicks in the first half, if I'm not mistaken as well. And just that idea of there is not going to be a possession that we get that is an empty possession. We're always going to find a way to at least give ourselves a scoring opportunity. And in fact, the first goal of the game comes because they get a set piece. Barial is able to put in a, a really good ball into the box. And uh, Arias is there to pounce on a rebound to, pick the, to score the first goal. And once again... It's Barriel <laughs> with with the corners. It's just you you love to see it. Yeah, Arius. I mean, there was even one. I I think it was immediately after that was surprised by a corner, managed to pop him in the head. Like those opportunities were there all game. And yeah, Arius, man, stepping up quickly. Uh, the the reaction shot, the goal. Everything was awesome there. The Spider-Man celebration, which apparently he does to, to one of his sons in the crowd, which is just <laughs> awesome. Um, but Arius's transformation over the course of the year has been fantastic. I don't want to say transformation, but like his recovery to the point where he is starting every single game looking more and more like, you know, that Atletico Madrid right back that was on every <laughs> superpower, super league team's radar before his his devastating injury that like he's starting to look like that again. And even if he only hits 80 percent of his his ceiling there, that's going to be good enough in Major League Soccer and opposite of Barriel. This is what FCC is needed and he's providing it now. So, um, yeah, and actually Arias was, I think, for everybody, probably a real, a real standout. But I thought that everybody on the defense and in the midfield did a great job of recovering mm -hmm. and keeping Toronto from getting breaks because... Um, you know, with our offensive possession and with having kind of, I know Baji's gotten a lot of game time at forward and Kubo even has gotten some, but with not our usual starting striking pair, um, <clears throat> you know, there, there were passes Lucho was looking to make or things Lucho was trying to do that just weren't yeah. coming off the attacking third, which it happens. That's, you know, he, <laughs> he tries stuff and that's what makes him special as a player. But um, there were multiple times 
in the first half. And I was certain, oh, I was thinking for a, for a period of time that that was how Toronto was going to get their goal was um, I thought Toronto a number of times was going to get a break and just, you know, whether it was Barial or Arias or one of the center, center backs stepping up or, or Angulo um, being disruptive in the midfield, you know, none of those breaks really came off for Toronto, which is doubly impressive considering, as Noonan said in the postgame, you know, Toronto has two of the probably two of the best, you know, one V one attacking players in the entire league. Yeah. Yeah. And Arias in particular showing, showing the speed to recover like that him and Powell all game were able to sprint back and basically kept in seeing a anonymous for most of this game. The speed from Arias was shocking. Um, And you would that makes sense that it's sort of one of the last things to recover as he's coming back and working his way back into fitness and from injury. But his recovery speed was genuinely impressive. And there was at least one play. I don't remember exactly at what point in the game it was where he just cooked a defender, like absolutely cooked him. The defender was between him and goal for a half a second. And Arias blew by him. And it was one of those moments where watching it like live was a wow moment. Like, okay, this guy's got some jets that I didn't know existed. Like that scene in Attack of the Clones where all of a sudden R2D2 can fly. It's <laughs> fucking fuck did this come from? <laughs> right. Oh, that's that's in his back pocket. Okay. Yeah. And um so and I think you saw everything that um we were kind of hoping Arias would bring to the team as a ceiling raising player on display this game. And then you throw in the, uh, that assist he had to Lucho a couple of games ago to, you know, to remember yeah. that he has that, um, in his arsenal. And I just wanted to add on, on Arias that the goal that he scored today is like shockingly similar to the last professional goal he scored for um Granada in La Liga last year to beat uh not maybe not last year but it was to beat um it was it was the Europe it was it was last year but you know how European seasons are weird yeah. right yeah it was to beat Matt Miazga's uh Alaves late in the game <laughs> but um yeah so you know he it's a small sample size but you know if he brings that kind of awareness in the box to get that, to get those, um, to get those rebounds, you know, hopefully we see, we see more of that. Yeah. Before you we gotta stop. Think, oh, go sorry. Ahead. I was no, just go going to say, you, you got to think too, like the question has been like, where do the goals come from without the strikers firing on all cylinders? And the answer to that is so far, Lucho creates a moment of magic and one of Arias and Bariel have either a set piece goal or a moment of brilliance themselves. And that is the sort of plan B that we've been looking for. And if Arias can continue on this path and stay healthy, he's not, that is not off of the, uh, the table here yet. Uh, but if he can stay healthy and maintain this, 
you go into every game assuming you can get two goals from from these three guys that they can combine in these ways. The striker question stops being so pressing. And oh, by the way, we've got reinforcements coming there, too. But yeah, th- that's a great that's a great plan B if this continues. So before we get out of the first half, can we talk about the incident? The, incident. the head, the head nudge, right, the, the head head. nudge. Let's all right. Head so push. You've seen it by now. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen it, I have genuine questions about how you're spending your free time. Um, <laughs> what is a red card? I find myself genuinely not understanding that today. And I feel like there is a concerted effort by the soccer MLS intelligentsia, the MLS agencia, to convince me and gaslight me into believing that it was normal Lucho Acosta got a red card and a suspension last year for his conduct and that that was somehow okay in light of literally every piece of evidence since then that his conduct was lawful under the under the rules as they're set up what am i missing here it it doesn't make any sense the only thing i can think of is that lucho is short so like is it a measure of effort that it takes to get your head on the other person's head? So it's not a matter of force, but like he had to try harder. So therefore it's more deliberate. I don't know. Because this, so, is, twi- this is twice now. I want to put this up for you yes. just quickly, Grayson, that Yersin Mascara was headbutted. And did he embellish it? Yeah, he did. But there was clear head to head conduct contact. This is another one where there was clear head to head contact. I was told last year that any contact to the head is a red card. No ifs, ands, or buts. I was told this by the league. What the fuck? Grayson, your thoughts. Well, um, I have I have a few thoughts. I'm trying to figure out the best way the best way to best way to organize these. I mean, one, um, it was a violent gesture. Yes. He it wound was, up. Let's let's not let's not belittle let's let's not minimize like how much force there apparently was. I mean he missed, but like it's a it's a fast, you know, kind of aggressive movement. And the kind of thing that I think you wouldn't want to have in the game at all. And the Correct. way to keep it out of the game is to make it an automatic red card, which I thought was the case. Okay. Now, a couple of caveats to that. One is with Lucho last year, and I'm saying this not because I believe it, but because it was the rationale provided by the league that they also cited the contact with the ref. Right. Which we've all seen worse contact with refs result in nothing. Right. Um, So I don't I think it's I think it's bullshit, but. I don't want somebody to come in and say, like, well, you you're pretending it was all about the headbutt, but there was also the contact with the ref. and You're not taking that into consideration. You know, blah, blah, blah. I just don't care about the contact with the ref. It was nothing. It's an audio Um, format, but I'm making the jerk off motion hard enough that I hope the microphone is picking it up right now. Yeah. So um, um, I also think that. you know, if you watched, uh, I think it's MLS 360, um, Christina Uncle talked about something called a head push, <laughs> which 
apparently, what are we doing? What are we doing here? This is apparently nonsense. A, it's actually uh, third degree headbutt. So apparently a head push <laughs> is not an automatic red card. A headbutt is an automatic red card. I don't think it's a head push. Um, what, what based on do? the what are we, what but, are we doing? But also, <laughs> but also like, fuck? but also like, also like they can't. It's I know that they're that they get these kind of guidances and notes from from the officiating bodies about how to call things, and not all of that makes it into the laws of the game, right? Or the rules that we can that we can read. But like one. That's dumb. Like we should, we should be able to yes. know the rules of the game as fans, so we can evaluate, you know, yes. what we're seeing and and be okay. With, instead of like, oh no, we have some secret third reason for why this is not a red card. But <laughs> but also like, so I. But also like, I don't think that there should be a distinction between a headbutt and a head push because i don't think I don't, one there isn't I don't, one this is i don't think i don't think what refs the fuck? i don't think refs are i don't think refs are, are are competent to draw that distinction um and two like i think that we need to be serious enough about like head contact that that it just shouldn't be a thing that is happening given what we know about right head injuries this is, this is this is some like alternative facts shit right here. It is. Like, it is. What? What? So it's illegal to kick someone in the dick. But if I push my foot into their groin, that's right. okay. Like, yeah. This is this um, is nonsensical. We've all seen two footed tackles that were very high miss the player that the tackle was aimed at. And it still gets awarded a red card because yeah. the act itself was dangerous. Like if you throw a punch at a player on the field and don't connect, you're still getting a red card. Like, what, what is the <laughs> difference between a head push and a head butt? Is it the amount of PSI that is generated on the head? Like, is it measured by the blowback of the victim's head? Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I, like I'm, you know those commercials where it's like your brain on drugs and it's just the egg frying. This is right. me trying to understand the difference between a head push and a head butt. This is absurd. And I will tell you what I think the difference between a head push and a head butt is. How much the league likes your team? Yeah, I do. And I think it's. I think. I think also part of it has to do with how much a player is getting paid. <laughs> I think Bernadeschi is like one of the top ten highest paid players in the league. Yeah. Um, is not likely to get suspended if there's any reason that you can avoid suspending him. Because they're looking to get rid of all the Italians there, and if he keeps picking up red cards, he'll be like a discipline problem, and it'll hurt his transfer value on the open market. <laughs> right. Sorry, yeah, I mean, you won't want to touch I that. Think <laughs> you have, I think the league is probably very embarrassed that Toronto's this bad. Oh, yeah. And um, because you got two of the higher profile players in the league, you got probably the highest profile coach in the league, or at least arguably the highest profile coach in the league. Yeah. Um, it's a, they spend a ton of money on their roster. Um, they have a good roster, like top to bottom. Yeah. Like, I, 
again, after the game, I'm looking at that going, how the hell does Bob Bradley still have a job? Like, it's very Yop Stom vibes of like a competent manager with this roster would be middle of the pack at worst. Like they, I mean, he's not there, but Sean Johnson's your starting goalkeeper. You've got like four Canadian internationals as the spine of the team. You've got good young players. You've got smart veteran players. You've got these high-end DP players. Like, what is the problem? Why are they this bad? I mean, I don't think I know he didn't have a I know he didn't have a great day. And especially like that giveaway to Angulo was yeah. terrible. Brutal. But like Ranjit Singh, I think, was he's like a championship USL goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, like we've teams win games trotting out Spencer Ritchie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and youngsters in this league have done fine in yeah. goal in times. And yeah, he had, I mean, the giveaway and <laughs> the, the nutmeg goal from Baji, not great looks, but also his team was hanging him out to try on a couple right. of those. I mean, like as the well. nutmeg goal on Baji, fine. Baji's 1v1, though. He's 1v1 right. with the keeper. You expect right. him to score. It doesn't matter where he shoots, you expect him to score there because the defense has hung the keeper so badly out to dry. Yeah, yeah, and then it's not it's not the goalkeeper's fault that they didn't generate anything on offense. No, no. You know, they had plenty of the ball. Um, and on the giveaway, you know, too, Angulo we, if, makes a great play. Like, Kubo yeah. puts the keeper under pressure. Kubo had a great game specifically doing this with high ball pressure. Angulo muscles his man off the ball, who made no effort whatsoever to try and fight through that plays a pass to Lucho and it still requires a moment of brilliance from Lucho to score that goal. You can't put that all on the, uh, the keeper. Yeah. It, it's one of those that feels like an easy goal, but he has to sit there and place it quickly. All the pressure in the world coming on you. Like that's, that's hard to do. Uh, Bariel had a similar moment and, and missed his, like it's, it's not as easy as it looks there. And yeah, that, I mean, Angulo's assist there was great, and I personally loved Acosta running over to Angulo, giving him love for the for the ball win for the for the assist there. That was that was a big moment because obviously Angulo's still adapting to this league, adapting to this team, adapting to this country. This is a guy that we said may take a year to start to feel comfortable, and we're in June now. And I mean, if you you could have brought somebody who's never seen a day of FCC to this game and Angulo would have looked like one of the starters. You wouldn't have known he was spot filling. And I, to, to kind of probably belabor the point a little bit, please, um, because I've seen people talk about Toronto, you know, doing some rotating. I still know eight of the people that Toronto started. Yes. Like, (laughs) and if I, like, if I know, Eight of your eleven MLS. I probably don't know eight start eight regular starters on most MLS teams, <laughs> right. given like how little I watch I watch the rest of the league. But you had like you had CJ Sapong at yeah. striker. This is a guy who's who's got US national team caps. You had your two Italians up front. You had Jonathan Asoria and Richie Larea, who were with Canada in the Nations League. I think they were both with Canada at the World Cup. Mark Anthony yep. Kay, who's yeah. a high paid, you know, midfielder. Uh, Brandon Cervania is a, you know, well-regarded. Um, I think he's been with U.S. youth national teams. Yep. Um, so, like, 
What's the problem? <laughs> this there's there's no reason that that a, that you that you would look at these two lineups and say, well, obviously, you know, context aside, Toronto Society beat Toronto three yeah. nothing. Or yeah. that Toronto yeah. is rotating in this game and having yeah. issues as well. To, to the point on Angulo, what's what's fun about this, and I, I think everyone's take has been pretty consistent on Angulo, that he's been up and down this year generously. Um, but this is a result of, you know, he put in minutes earlier in this year. He's had more consistent minutes, I think, than probably most of us thought he would. Mm-hmm. And he's had a chance to, to get some of the growing pains out. And yeah. that's really good for this team if – you know, the development cycle is continuing the way it looks like it's continuing, that we got the hard part out of the way, hopefully. And he's still going to have up its ups and downs this year. He's a young player. He's very you know, young. Th- it, there's this mistake that people have of thinking trajectory and growth is linear on young athletes and young players. Um, Ian Murphy's a great example of that. Ian Murphy came out of the shoot last year and looked really good. And as the season wore on, the shine seemed to wear off on Murphy a little bit. But now you fast forward to this year and they don't win this game yesterday without outstanding play from Ian Murphy. And Ian Murphy has had very good play in just about all the time he's had this year. And that's an example of, you know, he took it, started out here, took a dip, and now he's back up here. You've just got to be comfortable with these players, especially young players having that growth cycle and giving them the freedom and the support to grow like that. And it's been really fun for in terms of Angulo to see in this sense and in this game, you know, the curve has started to go up again, which is kind of neat to see, I think. Yeah, I was really impressed with Angulo this game, you know, even even setting aside the assist. Which you shouldn't set aside, but I no. think, you know, he <laughs> had absolution. It was bad. He, he had a good game overall. Um, but I also think, I think this is the first time he started the game with Lucho and Obi in the midfield with him. Yeah, it is. And that probably helped. Yeah, that certainly helped. That <laughs> helps. They also had the last, you know, whatever it was, 11 days off where Moreno was gone. So for whatever the first team minutes were in training, he was getting them. And this is something that Noonan had talked about before where like the the schedule congestion was so much that they hadn't had a, a really good opportunity to like just sit down and drill and work on movements and patterns of play that it was mostly just a recovery maintenance schedule that <laughs> they were just trying to make sure everybody was was healthy and in shape and, and ready to go for the next game coming up in 48 hours whereas they finally got some time to practice and yeah Obi and Lucho are, are hanging back as well not not on international duty yet for Lucho um, <laughs> and uh and Gula was able to get those minutes with those guys and I mean, if he's as promising a player as we are led to believe and, and that everybody in the world is high on him, I mean, let's let's hope it continues because this this would be fantastic to have him alongside Moreno as four first choice midfielders in a three man midfield. That's a good problem to have here. It is. And what I love to see in this game, there were two things I like to see because the goals were great. We've talked about the goals in this game, which were unbelievable just it, the yeah. pass from lucho 
on that Baji goal. Yeah, let's is, talk about that okay. quickly because that was uh, incredible. <laughs> my thought watching it, and I don't know if you guys have a different take on this, is that as a fan watching these games, you fall into traps of getting annoyed by things. Like we've all been there where yeah. Lucho plays a ball to no one. And you throw mm -hmm. your hands in the air and you're like, what the fuck is he doing? Or <laughs> he plays a ball and the defender cuts in front of it and it's an easy turnover. And you're like, what the fuck? It's because you tolerate eight bad, eight, eight of those that don't work or 10 of those that don't work for the one that does. Yeah. Because the one that does <laughs> is a game changing moment. And just go back and watch this because there's so many different parts of this play that are brilliant from the, the past splits to Toronto defenders who hmm. look at it as it passes by and you can just feel the dread between the two of them <laughs> that they are helpless to stop this. And it just, the weight of it is just perfect so that the defender trailing Baji can do nothing about it. Baji uses his body to block the defender off, takes the ball, and he is in a perfect position to touch and shoot where there isn't like an extra touch needed to get the ball to his, his proper shooting position. It's everything about this is so good. It's I, I could watch it on repeat for hours. Yeah, and you can't, you also can't give enough credit, I think, to Don Baji for that run. Yep. Right, because he meets yeah. the ball in the perfect position. As you said, he, he uses his body to establish his position. Um, You know, it's a, it's, you know, there's a moment of physicality. I don't think anybody would say he fouled the defender, right? But no. he just won a physical battle with the defender. And then he had, he created himself the space to get that wide open look at the goal. And, you know, obviously he finished it. Yeah. That challenge is reminiscent of the, uh, the Orlando assist last year, early in the season where he uh, stiff armed the defender down to the ground and, and beamed in that cross. That was so hard that it wasn't entirely clear that it was intentional that Vasquez headed that one in. And yeah, <laughs> seeing that strength again from Baji was just so, so good and continues a run of form for him. That is so strong. And it's very funny when you read like national media uh, previews of FCC or, or sort of like snippets of like how the week has gone and you'll probably see it with power rankings articles of like, how will this team do without Vasquez? And it's like, well, Baji this year has been about as good as Vasquez and as productive as Vasquez. And we're fine. As long as Baji <laughs> continues doing this, we're fine. This is totally fine. So yeah, that yeah, was that was incredible. That that felt like a goal Brent Brandon Vasquez would have would have scored last year. Yes. Yeah. You know? And my first thought was, you know, maybe maybe Baji in it while we're missing Vasquez, you know, maybe he will just step up and yeah. fill and fill the hole. I mean, if it keeps um, but, going this way, I, yeah. I don't know if you start baskets right away. Let's see how the let's see how the gold cup goes. <laughs> um, and and I, I want to say about about Lucho's passes that you know often look like they're going to nobody. You know, so soccer is like a game about finding spaces, and Lucho is probably the smartest person on the team when it comes to finding out like where are spaces to attack. And I think a lot of times people aren't on the same page with him because they don't see the game the same way he does. 
you know, probably yeah, the clo- right. probably the person who was closest to his view of the game was Brenner, which is, you know, why they worked so well together. And it seemed like they would make these kind of really complicated looking interchanges, you know, in fairly tight spaces with each other. And it's because they saw, you know, like, why well, can I can do this? And then they were capable of pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anybody on the team currently. Um, sees sees the game the same way Lucho does, so they're not going to see something Lucho sees when he tries it. You yeah. know, and I what I would analogize analogize it to is if you're watching a football game and a quarterback throws the ball <laughs> to literally nobody, right? You know, <laughs> it's it's probably not because the quarterback. Like it could, just it could threw be, the ball to nobody. It could it easily a, be because the be, receiver just didn't make the right run. It could right? be because your quarterback is Baker Mayfield too. That also it might could be the explanation. Be, yeah. it, it's not impossible, but yeah, that's always, especially when it's a consensus good quarterback or Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You'd see those. It's the but same this, exact idea at this level of soccer. Like there are situations where you need to make a pass when the guy's not there. Yeah, because you get to make passes before guys have started to make the run, because that's how you beat good defenders. Right. Yes. And I think that the best way to describe this is that Lucho is an artist. And what makes him a great artist is that he's not afraid to fail. Yeah. Hey, that's exactly it. So every (laughs) time somebody wants to post uh, Lucho's passer rating or whatever, where it's a lower percentage, it's like, hey, hey, like. 20% 20% of that missing chunk there is him trying shit that he's on another wavelength with. I will say uh, something to keep an eye on. Arias and him are there. Arias is not quick enough. There were multiple times where Lucho laid a pass for him and Arias was just a half a step behind. If that quickness can come back, oh, buddy, that's going to be deadly. <laughs> yeah. and Yeah, you're right. Arias is a player who cap- who's capable of finding some of the positions that Lucho brings the ball to. Uh, Barial also. He can uh, do it. Yeah. Can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, it would be so good. And is there a better feeling in the world or a better sight in the world? We haven't seen this a lot with FC Cincinnati. Even this year, we haven't seen this a lot. Then the crowd starting to file out of the stadium at the 85th minute because the result has been sealed away and the bench has been emptied and the walk-ons are playing. Just an incredible sight. So many close games this year. It was fucking phenomenal to be up 3-0 and just be able to stand there, sit there, and just watch it finish off with no drama whatsoever. <laughs> what a feeling. It was so good. I loved, I mean, that's that's the story of the end of the game, right? Is subbing in all of the babies, all, all of the two teamers, all of the youngsters, all the academy products coming in um, was so good. And I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because like, uh, I know uh, I was watching the game with my wife. She said, oh my gosh, 15 years old, making its professional debut. It's like, well, so he's been playing professionally all year. Like It's awkward to say it that way. He did play in the Open Cup, so it's not even like a senior level tournament debut. But 
to see Steven Jimenez at 15 years old and what was it, uh, Grayson, 309 days, something like that. Uh, I think it was th- I think it was 307 when he okay. was in the <laughs> was in the Open Cup game, and ah, it was okay. 362 yesterday because his birthday is Saturday. Okay, yeah, so we're close. But uh, makes his debut there in the Open Cup, and yeah, it was just. Uh, just a handful of days ahead of Joe Nuxall making his debut at 15 years old for the Reds, which is just so cool. And I mean, hopefully Stephen Jimenez is our uh, color commentator for 50 years in the future. But <laughs> And a great um, answer to a so bar nice. trivia question, too. You love it. Yeah, just so good. And I will say, in particular, Archimedes Ordonez and Brett Halsey both came in and both were immediately gamers. Just absolutely challenging for everything. Ordonez yeah. firing off irresponsible it's like what, it's shots. Like, it's like it's like if Riggs were here. Uh, it's like the walk-ons coming in at a college basketball game. And what do you want yes. the walk-ons to do when they come into the game? Shoot, shoot. <laughs> You want like you get three shots a year. Chuck it up for three. And you see uh, Ordonez fired out of a cannon looking like he wanted to score a goal to prove something to even though we were up three nil already. I love it. Halsey picks a yellow card up, gets his name in the scorebook. Phenomenal. Legendary shit. So good. Yeah. Halsey Halsey played exactly like you would hope. A white guy who went to UVA. Whose first name is Brett with one T would uh, would play. I mean, like he went in, he went in on his tackles. Yeah. You know, it reminded me of like I I I once was and wor- was working with this company that was out of Richmond, and everybody that worked there uh, went to UVA, and it was like five different like decades of the same guy was like the people I was dealing with. <laughs> they were all named like, you know, W period Herschel Chesterton the fourth. Like the odd names like and I would put like Brett with one T in that category. And they were all like, you know, very arrogant, very competitive, very aggressive and very much have an opinion I, on what the best Dave Matthews band album is. <laughs> and I, I I really I really liked what we saw from uh from Halsey. And then I also liked the attitude from Ordonez. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Malik Pinto came in as well, did perfectly fine. Uh, Valenzuela and Jimenez come in at the very end of the game. I don't have a memorable moment from either one of them, but glad that they were. My just- only memorable yeah, Steven please. moment was I mean, there was a moment where he was just, he didn't do anything really. He was just kind of squaring off with Insignia. Um, but when you, you know, one of those where like Insignia had the ball and he was just kind of standing, you know, a few yards away, kind of watching him, but not making any moves. And I was like, man, 15 years old and staring, staring face to face in a game with, with Lorenzo Insignia. He, he didn't have to say anything. Just the fact that we put a 15 year old into the game is the most insulting thing that you can possibly do in a, in a professional soccer match. Like I love him. I think he's going to be an all world talent, hopefully someday for us. But right now, if you're subbing a 15 year old into a game, it means things have gotten so fucking out of hand that it's just, it's a, it's a managerial style and on a move. I think. 
It is. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to quickly look here. I think the oldest player we had on a bench that was not a goalkeeper was 23 years old. So <laughs> we didn't have a whole lot of options there. <laughs> there was only only so much to go around, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Can I can I list one final thing that Please. I think um, needs to be said about this game? I want to give a uh, a big time Chiefs tip of the uh, tip of the cap to the entirety of TQL Stadium uh, hey. for for sticking with the bit of booing <laughs> Bernadeschi every time he touched the ball that for the impressive. entirety of the game. The intensity didn't let up, even up three nil. Yeah, every time he touched the ball. And you could tell it was kind of low-key pissing him off a little bit, too. And I really oh, enjoyed yeah. that tremendously. He had, a, he had an interaction. So shortly after the, after the booing started, he, he had a little bit of an interaction with somebody on the, in the first financial club. <laughs> um, where some, so he was walking over to pick up a ball, I think, for a throw-in. And the guy in the front row or the second row was standing up and just gesturing and yelling at him. And I, I couldn't, like hear what anything was being said but um bernadeski did crack a little bit of a smirk at whatever at whatever <laughs> that was so i was like oh he's he's now acknowledging members of the crowd it is getting to him yeah that's so good and I mean, can we can we all commit to bringing this level of intensity to Messi in, in August when he comes to TQL Stadium? I feel like if we just start the game there, that would be that would be really nice. People are gonna flip out if we if we boo Messi. Oh, yeah. we is, have to. Which is why we have to do yes, it. We have it's to. required. We have <laughs> to do it. I I don't know. I mean, I assume like international matches and versus like Real Madrid and some Champions League games, he would have gotten that, but like. Most of his career, he's been pretty well lauded that anywhere in Spain he was playing, half the people were there to see him, half was there to see the the other team. I don't know. Well, you know the take is going to be like, well, this is the best player in the world. You have to give him, you have to give him some respect. Fuck that. And my answer is no, you don't. He doesn't no. play for my fucking team. No. Yeah. No. I don't care. <laughs> don't give a shit. I, don't, I care about my team winning this game. Yes, that's all I care about. I want I want Miami and even all of MLS to have the same feeling I had when the Pittsburgh fans were chanting uh, Cueto's name over and over again. And I watched the man's career end just under the pressure of an entire stadium. Absolutely hating one person. Yeah. What I want is I want the people around the world to be watching this game and say, what an embarrassment from this city that they're not recognizing the talents of Lionel Messi. It's like, yep. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Under what circumstances can we get an overrated chant going with Messi? Oh, just the from jump. We have a from, lead. from jump. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'd say I want to lead with that one, but sure. <laughs> the first the first shot he misses. Yeah. We can Yes. A mis a misplayed pass. Just first time he somebody's... loses the ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my god, so good. Uh are, is there anything else we need to touch on with this game before we move on over to part two? Just phenomenal. Um, I was so really good. impressed with how aggressive the center back still played. Like they played, you know, the same yeah. kind of freestyling way that in, in a lot of instances that the other guys had played. I was glad. 
that they had the confidence to do that. Um, and I want to give a shout out also. I don't think we did to Alvis Powell. Yes. Who did a great job. I think he was the one mostly on Insignia mm-hmm. um, of the center backs. And there were a number of times where they were one, one V one and Alvis just stood his ground and won the ball. So good. Just so can't ask so for good. anything else. No. Reset Man. the clock. The best two weeks has started all over again. It really yeah. did. It really <laughs> did. That window just keeps shifting yeah. right along. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump over to part two. Part two, we're going to talk a slightly bigger picture here. And then part three, we'll get your uh, DC United preview. All right, part two. And Chief, you flag this up for us. I think it's a good time to have this conversation because right now the times are good. This team is is built so unbelievably well. This team is coached unbelievably well. Newton again snubbed for coach of the week. If there was a week that he in particular deserved it, it was this one. And Lucho just showed up two of the highest paid players in the league and yet and i yet. think it's fair to say noonan albright and acosta all severely underpaid for what they are doing right now chief i'll, I'll ask you this one how worried are you that neither that none of these three have a new contract in hand simultaneously not that worried and terrified if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, so it like, makes sense. <laughs> so right now, vibes are high. It like I like we said in the last segment, best two week stretch in FC Cincinnati history. We keep rolling it forward. Having said that, <laughs> you got to pay these guys. Like yeah. I am, I am just terrified that there are other MLS jobs that are open. There will be other MLS jobs that are open with Noonan. I'm just waiting for someone to start talking about the fact that, you know, overseas at this point, and especially after a game like last night. Last night, the team played out of their mind. Everyone played great. Like we were we probably touched in that last segment on every player in the starting 11 positively, other than Roman Celentano, who didn't have much to do in this game. He had a couple big, at least one big save early on. But his number one task was just keeping the ball in play and distributing well. But that's also a coaching win yesterday is that Noonan had the the players ready to play in positions they were unfamiliar with or at least hadn't played competitively in a lineup that resembled nothing like we'd seen so far this year. Um, And it's also a a system win for Chris Albright for the players that he is bringing in that fit this system. You look at who were... Huge contributors last night. Number one, Ray Gaddis, <laughs> who is just the definition of steady, effective, competent performance at a low salary figure. You look at Santiago Arias, who on this show, we were openly questioning whether or not that might be Albright's first miss. And turns out the look right now is that as he's getting healthy, he is going to be a not just a, a good signing, but an outright weapon for this yeah. team going forward. And 
look, I don't want to monopolize all the talking time, but the reality is this. GM and head coach are extra DP slots. There's no limit on what you can pay them. And I don't know. I said this on the Discord today. The the confounding variables, I don't know what the two of their career aspirations are. I don't know if Chris Albright and Pat Noonan want to lay down roots in Cincinnati. I don't know if they took this gig as an opportunity to do something and then pass through to bigger and better opportunities. But if you are the FC Cincinnati brass, if you're Carl Linder, Jeff Birding, you were lost in the woods for so long, and these two people in particular have brought you out of it, you have to make it uncomfortable for them to say no. You have to make it so that if they say no, that they're going to have to do some soul searching about the amount of money they're turning down to say no. And the time to do that is right now. Vibes are high. Do not let these two individuals even think about what their future is. Make it so that their future is right here. I think it needs to happen immediately. And for Lucho, that should have been done already. He he is the best player. He is the most irreplaceable player on this team. The crowd, the Bailey, needs to start leading MVP chants for Lucho Acosta when he goes to take corner kicks, even though we don't want him taking corner kicks. If that's going to happen, it should be to MVP, not FCC, when he's stepping over the ball right now. He absolutely deserves a new contract too. But Far and away for me, the bigger worry is because Lucho's getting, you know, what is he, 29 now? I'm not as worried that Europe's going to come calling for Lucho Acosta. I think Europe may come calling for Pat Noonan, and they need to make that an uncomfortable decision. Yeah, Grayson, you've you've pointed this one out before, and I think that there's a couple of there's a couple of items here that are concerning with these guys not having new deals, which is you assume LA Galaxy is just sort of riding out this transfer ban right now, but Greg Vanny's not doing so great. The The project there is not going well. Both of these guys have ties to the Galaxy. They are the team that historically the league has bent to. They are the, the team that is probably most likely to overspend in this department. Chicago, another you know aggressive billionaire owner looking to make a splash, has already talked about trying to get Phillies guys, which, by the way, both Jim Curtin and Ernst Tanner in Philadelphia are both seeing out the final months of their contracts there, where Noonan and Albright have very long ties. I mean, there's enough out there that's concerning. Not to mention, I, I don't know exactly what San Diego's doing, but you could do worse as an expansion team to just bring in those guys and try to recruit Acosta over as well. I, I mean, I don't know. How concerned should we be? Is this something that we shouldn't even worry about until the offseason? I don't know how to gauge this. Yeah, I don't know how to gauge it either. I mean, there are, as you've mentioned, a number of really high-profile positions either currently open, uh, like Galaxies, you know, they fired their sporting director or whatever his title was yeah. recently. Um, and Vanny is probably on a, on a very hot seat at the moment. Uh, but Chicago... Is an opportunity. I mean, you know, Toronto may be an opportunity coming up. To be honest, <laughs> like there's a lot of like big jobs. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, and I think it would be a massive failure though to to lose these guys to an MLS team. Yeah. Um, because what what 
it, they would only go to another MLS team if there's something that team offers them that we don't. And there's no real excuse given all the specifics about this league for another team to offer them anything that we aren't willing to match or beat. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Europe would be a, would be a different animal. You know, you could see somebody, um, just viewing, viewing Europe as a unique kind of challenge, you know? Um, I just and hope that I think especially Europe, yeah especially as an American you 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 would always wonder like okay if they come calling and I don't go are they ever going to come calling again right um but like like the chief said at least make it a hard choice you know make their make their experience here as nice and rewarding as you can make it. And um, my, my concern about, about Jim Curtin is not that, you know, he and Tanner are going to go and Philly's going to poach our guys. It's more, I think an illustration of what can happen if you don't lock your guys down, Mm. because there were talks at the beginning of last year um, after we had, approached Philly to talk to Curtin that they were going to sign Jim Curtin to a, to a longer term deal. It never happened. And now here we are in the last year of his deal. And I haven't seen any news indicating that they're close to signing him to another extension. And once a guy gets into the last, the last year of his deal, you know, it probably becomes pretty easy to look at it and say, no, I'm probably just going to ride this out yeah. and then see what, see what the open market offers me. The other, counter, the other counterpoint to that, though, is that in this league, it feels like the only way news gets out is when paperwork is submitted to the league office or if you have a chatty agent. So <laughs> it's really hard to read into we haven't heard anything in this league in particular, just because it seems to be a lot more dependent on one of those two factors than other sports leagues. So. I'm at least on the Noonan and Albright front. I'm hopeful that perhaps no news just means my agent has been instructed to shut the fuck up, which would be a refreshing <laughs> change of pace for things around here in terms of high profile yeah. people. Yeah. But and yeah, you're tempting fate, I think, the longer that it goes along. And like what I would further emphasize is it's not just that the coach and GM are your fourth and fifth. DPs. Your coach and GM can easily earn their money on the balance sheet by not making you spend $13 million for a player that you're going to have to sell for 10 or spending, you know, $4 million for a player that you let go for free or giving Kenneth Vermeer nearly a million dollars to sit on the bench. Like, there are very clear ways that we will, that you would expect like Chris Albright to just earn his salary in in transfer fees either avoided or or gained 
<laughs> you know, yeah. do you, if, if you remember in uh, for uh, Louisville City when they signed, um, oh my God, it was a former U.S. Men's National Team guy. I his name is escaping me right now. He went to uh, St. Louis to be like their director of coaching. Oh, John Hackworth. John Hackworth. That's what it was. He had a deal where he got a percentage of like all of the transfers. We can do this with Albright. Any any profit, he can take 10, 20%, whatever the percentage is. And he can he can start earning his own salary that way, literally. Um, I'm I'm for this. We can pull this off. I will say on the curtain front, um, from what I remember and what I was told is that Curtin was absolutely open and interested in coming to Cincinnati, but that Philly wouldn't let him. And I feel like that doesn't happen if he's really happy in Philadelphia. And the fact that Albright and Noonan were both willing to leave with all of these contracts up in the air seal makes me think that, and again, this is still a a sort of like a, a, a tale of what not to do, but like it makes me think that their ownership group is so cheap that their overperformers don't want to be there and continue to do what they're doing on a shoestring budget. But that was kind of the promise of Cincinnati was you can do what you did in Philly, but we'll let you actually buy DP players here and you can actually have money. And so, it's also, it's funny too, yeah. that like for Curtin's standpoint, you almost wonder a little bit. And I've been thinking this for a while. <laughs> if he's watching Noonan yeah. and thinking, that motherfucker, he's taking me. our system in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> and he's winning because he has a budget. I can go somewhere with a budget and win. Fuck that guy. Right, right. You've got to think that that's, uh, that's the like case Like eating there. him a little bit there. The other piece I'm wondering, too, is if you're Noonan and Albright in particular, maybe this does apply to Lucha as well, though Lucha has an option for next year, which I just assume we're picking up and the negotiations will go from there. Not to say we can't sign into a new deal before, but that probably factors into the timing of all of this. But... Do you not try to see how successful you are this year before you put pen to paper? Like, there's a difference between you getting bounced in the second round of the playoffs and losing to Messi and winning the Open Cup, winning the Shield, and winning MLS Cup. I don't know what that difference is, but I imagine there's a difference, and yeah. maybe you bet on yourself here. That's That's true. But... I don't know. Does it? I'm not sure. This is going to sound. This is going to sound dumb. <laughs> I'm not sure how much. Show. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure how much of a difference that should make to FC Cincinnati. I agree. I mean, I think it. I think it would certainly make a difference on the open market. But from FC Cincinnati's standpoint, like I don't know. I've seen enough. Right. Also, also, what they've done here is more impressive, arguably, than winning MLS Cup. They've turned this team around. That right. seems like a harder task than actually winning the goddamn cup. Even if we're just above average for three years, like that is and, more impressive. Right. Yeah. And not only that, not only they turned it around, they turned it around so quickly where you didn't have that period of rebuilding and whatnot. It just went from bad to good almost overnight. That's way more impressive than winning supporter shield. That's why hard. Harder than winning supporter shield. I may there may come a time, you know, a few years from now where there's like kind of a natural point where you say, okay, you know, they're gonna move on to whatever the next thing is, but 
there's a good enough foundation in the organization that like, you know, we're good with the next guys under them stepping up or right. we're an attractive enough destination and stable enough that, you know, the, the, the candidates that we're going to get are, you know, good enough to just kind of keep it, keep it moving. But I don't think, theory. I don't think we're there. Yeah. And I think yeah. we're like a few years at least away from, from being there. Uh, I think like the most interesting example of that is Seattle and Garth Lagerway, where like Seattle became a thing unto itself that, yeah, I'm sure they trusted that they could replace him, that he had essentially won everything for a decade there. Like he was running out of stuff to win, literally um, getting to the Club World Cup was probably was literally the last competition they hadn't won there. And they had sort of secession planned with uh with Craig Weibel there as well. So yeah, we're we're definitely not there yet. But that is the model of yeah, maybe in 10 years when I don't know, is it Hunter Freeman is ready to to take the reins of this organization. Or who's or the something. guy who's the Luke 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 McCarthy? Oh yeah, the uh the scout uh, the, guy, the technical <laughs> director or assistant technical director or whatever. The guy that the guy that Albright brought with him. Yeah. Um, it's from, from Philly yeah. who F- Philly was saying that he was going to be, I remember when we, when we hired Albright seeing Philly fans saying like, just, Oh, he's going to step up into, just, into Albright's job. Pay Albright, just dip the dump yeah, truck of money, pay yeah. Albright. And then like, you know, work with jungle gyms to make sure that they carry Taylor Ham, get like a real <laughs> Philly cheesesteak place to move in so that he's got some place to go. <laughs> yeah, so he's not doing spots for Penn Station when they start sponsoring the team. You know, we can make this happen. We can make it feel like home for Chris Albright. We can do this. And if we can't make it feel like home, we can give him enough money that he can buy literally anything he wants to remind him of home. I like the idea of building the uh, like where the ballet was and where the, the, the club is going to be building all of these new restaurants. If we don't just try to build a little Philadelphia and we just try to oh, make it. Yeah, no, you've got you got the two hotels right there. And on one corner, you have a Pat's and on the other yes. corner, you have a Geno's and we can have people fighting over which one is better and really make him feel like he's home. <laughs> and then we'll oh. pay one place on the west side. We'll get like, you know, like Price Hill Chili. To start serving a cheesesteak, and then you'd be like, "No, you don't. You the tourists go there. You've got to go someplace else to get right, the real Philly." Right. There's, there's the third one. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And to Lucho's point, I mean, it's got to be annoying to watch him be easily the best player in the league and still be making what he's making versus what everybody else is making, and watching these dumb superstar contracts come in and. Yeah. He's, he's 10 times more efficient I and mean, more effective. It's, it's possible Lucho's a done deal and right. we just have, they just haven't announced it. Just like, cause we've heard reporting that Mosquera yes, has been extended and the team hasn't announced that, you know, officially, which is and crazy to me. They don't. Yeah, right. They just don't they, announce this stuff. Yeah. So I, I, I completely agree. I, I would put, I would be in that camp. I suspect Lucho is done. I also don't want to gloss over this point before we move on. It is absurd that Pat Noonan hasn't won Coach of the Week this year once. <laughs> it is. It is. If there's odds for betting on this, I would suspect match fixing is involved 
right. um, <laughs> it is utter bullshit. I know it doesn't matter. And I know that probably Pat would be the first person to tell you it doesn't matter, but it is bullshit that the that the team that is running away with the supporter shield currently has not had their coach win team of the coach of the week at least once. They they do this thing where it's like the coach of the week is always the guy who turned around a three game losing streak. Like that's just very consistently who it is. That's why I'm pretty sure Yob Stum won it. I know Alan Koch won it twice. So think about that for a second that like they do it as like a, Hey, they're getting better award. And, um, FCC just doesn't drop points. Well, it's, it's like, um, well, first of all, remember that Noonan was not a finalist for coach of the year last year, which is absurd. And Lucho was not a finalist for MVP last year. Also absurd. They, they don't want to talk about us. They don't want to watch our games. They don't want to You hear like the people on extra time every time yeah. like FC Cincinnati comes up and it's all and it's always like they won again. We have to we have to talk about it. And you hear like like I've just I've never heard from like let's say like Kalen Carr. The amount of like disrespect that that people have to to what the team has accomplished so far this season the turnaround I, the team had last year I like they're just they're just it's they're just dying to come up with reasons why like the team is going to be entirely dismantled in the summer and they're never going to win another game i have right. a theory about this incidentally so that there's Please. this great dilemma going on with the cincinnati reds where people are really excited about the reds again Bengals fans went through this already where Everyone's excited about the Reds, but deep down in most Reds fans' souls, there's also this thing of, if I get excited again and I start going to games again, that's going to prove Phil Castellini was right. And I fucking hate <laughs> that he was right, that I didn't have anywhere else to go and I came back. Um, I think that in MLS circles, no matter what moves we make, no matter who we hire or how well we play, there is still a part of MLS and analysts that don't want us to be successful out of lingering spite over how the team was started. Sp and that and specifically to Jeff Birding. Yes. That, yep. that if, if we win MLS Cup or we do well in some way, in some universe, this validates a plan that Jeff Birding has. And he is so reviled for how this all started and probably things he may have said along the way to people involved that we will never get credit and that we will never live that down. Honestly, yeah, and what I would say is this, yeah, <laughs> what I would say is it doesn't, right. It doesn't validate. I mean, I guess I was going to say it doesn't validate anything that was done, but like you could make a case that it does that, you know, being starting off so far behind on the soccer field was the price they had to pay to get into the league in their one short window and build that a stadium like and build a, like stadium the, and build a yeah. training facility and like yeah it's an unorthodox way to get into the league and it really fucking sucked to pay to watch it <laughs> but if that was the down payment to this and we sign Albright and Noonan to big ass deals. And this is just the way it is going forward with sold out games, good players, competent coaching or great coaching, great player selection. Then 
yeah, I'd take that deal a thousand times out of a thousand if that's what it is in hindsight. I would take the deal. And like I said, you can make a case. I don't necessarily buy that like nothing could have been done <laughs> except for what was done. But um, but in nonstop flight two, that's absolutely going to be the narrative after we win our third cup in a row. If you but if you look back at what happened, OK, and if this season ends up the way that it can end up, where the FC Cincinnati sets, you know, the points record treble wins the supporter seal shield and at least one other trophy like. You know, it'd be like, you know, five years in the league. We've already had a better year than Columbus has ever had that maybe any other team in the league has ever had. <laughs> that's a hell of a that's a hell of a bargain. Yeah. Like, I, like I said a couple of weeks ago, he never said when the more winning they had to do was going to come. He left an he left an open door there for sure. He never yielded. Oh man! Um, all right. Well, let's let's wrap this podcast up with a little DC United preview this Saturday, and uh, let's get out of here. We're back. We're talking DC United, a team that. I thought was doing okay until I went to look for this. They are, I guess, this is funny. FOTMOB calls them in a playoff position in ninth place, which is a, uh, I don't know, a a debate I'm willing to have as to whether or not the play-in game gets to count as a playoff game or not. I think that's why they call it a play-in game. (laughs) No, I fight with people. I fight with people about this with the NCAA tournament all the time. The play-in game is technically considered the NCAA tournament, but the even NCAA, though it feels like bullshit. But that's why the NCAA doesn't call it a play-in game. They, oh, the, the people, first four. Fuck that. Peep, a, but, but they will push back and they'll say this isn't a play-in game. This is part of the tournament. MLS has if, labeled the 8-9 the game the play-in game. That so, means it's not part of the playoffs. It's what you but, play to get in the playoffs. But no, it's all are, but like it's it's but so you are in the postseason. That's the but way you are not in the playoffs. <laughs> so you're Correct. in postseason position. This is like it's headbutting like, and head pushing. This is bullshit. It's what, so no, mad about this. It's just like these. If you're, it's like playing like a World Cup qualifier, or you know these prelim these prelims for the Gold Cup that the Caribbean teams have been playing. They're yeah, not in the Gold Cup. They're playing the game to get in the, the Gold, Gold Cup. Cup. Qualifiers are considered World Cup matches because the tournament that we think of is the World Cup Finals. So and also, no, also no, if you're, no, if no, you're no. in a, they're if not. You're in a World Cup qualifiers is that's your Concacaf stuff. But wait, if you're in a play-in game to see if you make the playoffs, isn't that technically a playoff to enter the playoffs? So it's a yes. form of a playoff. It's a playoff. It's not the MLS Cup playoffs. So you are in playoff position because you are going to play in a playoff game. But you're not in MLS Cup playoff position. <laughs> you're, in MLS, you're, in, you're in MLS Cup playoff. You're in Audi MLS Cup presented by Audi playoff position. You're in Audi MLS Cup playoff playoffs. Yes, you're in a competition following the regular season that should you win and win enough, you will leave with a championship. And honestly, that's good enough for me to call it playoffs. Playoffs? 
<laughs> well, regardless, DC is either in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, depending on how you would like to perceive really, this. Really Schrodinger's team when you think about it. <laughs> they, uh, they've won one game in their last five against a hapless Miami team. And yeah, this is a team that has Christian Benteke on it, who's pretty good. And after that, it's a bunch of really young guys and a manager arguably more famous than their entire franchise. So I I don't know. Apparently, DC is becoming a slightly more intense away game that they do well at home. But I don't know. For me, the question is really who's healthy for this one from FCC and is Haglin and Santos going to play in this one? And I never thought I'd be here desperately hoping Nick Haglin was healthy. But well, I mean, we you, will get, you will get Yerson Mascara back, hopefully, for this game. I think he's pending he, of paper. If he gets issue? Out of, apparently, he's starring in like a sequel to the Tom Hanks movie, The Terminal. He's just like walking around the Toronto airport, seeing if anybody will sign his form. Speaking yeah, of what? speaking of the terminal, uh, big inside source information: uh, Skyline Chili testing breakfast out for the CBG terminal when they start there. Oh baby, now that um, is an inside scoop. Yeah, if you're listening this long in the podcast, congratulations. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is with FCC and not getting players' paperwork in on time to avoid these fiascos. I don't know what Yerson Mosquera, a Colombian who is, I guess, employed by an English club, has to do in Canada for paperwork-wise. I don't know how Empire works. I don't know where Toronto ranks in the uh, Crown possessions, but it doesn't make any sense. But he's stuck there. I, I wonder if it's because his employment technically ends next week. Because mm. sometimes there's issues if you're trying to get into a country, if your like passport is within so far from expiring or your visa is so far from is, is too close to expiring or whatever. And his his visa probably was originally only done through June 30th because that's when his employment was through. And oh so it's possible that. The international window. So where fell. is where is he right now? He's in Toronto. Toronto, <laughs> like at the airport, or do you get like a hotel, or like what's going on? Maybe he maybe he got a hotel. I don't know. Maybe he can't leave the airport. <laughs> oh God, we have to rescue um, him. It's not <laughs> a great airport in Toronto either. <laughs> but it's you could see a situation where the international window fell at a certain time and it happened to be the same time that they were trying to extend his loan and extend his visa. Yeah. And, you know, something happened before something else and it created an issue. But like somebody needs to tell whoever's controlling, whoever's doing passport control in Toronto that he's got a game on Saturday. Right. Yeah. You know, at, the, it, at the Toronto airport, I was flying through it one time through passport control. And it was in the early days of having a cell phone with your boarding pass on it. So there were big signs everywhere that said, have your boarding pass available. And there were signs directly below it that said, absolutely no cell phone use. And so <laughs> I had my phone out with my boarding pass. And this woman was going up and down the line and she screamed at me, put your cell phone away. And I tried to explain to this woman, um, sorry, this is my boarding pass. I'm required to have my boarding pass available. And she said, I didn't say Anything about a boarding pass, put your cell phone away. So I put my cell phone away and just said to myself, Jesus Christ. She whipped around 
and said, you've just been selected for a random bag search. Follow me. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Which I responded to. This doesn't feel very random to me. <laughs> and I got put in the back of a line and missed my connecting flight back to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Can only assume Mascara is doing this. I like to think that whoever's holding him up at the gate thought he was coming back for the Toronto game and thought that they were doing something heroic by holding him up. That's how I'm interpreting this. Um, assuming we get Mascara and Hagelin back, which would leave Ian Murphy as the other center back in that back line, and assuming Santos is healthy to, let's say, be on the bench. In this one, how do we feel going against a uh, struggling DC United? Uh, Good. Grayson, I'll, I'll, pick, I feel, I'll pick someone. <laughs> I, I feel. I mean, I, it's hard to feel bad about about any game, even yeah. if even if Haglin's not fit to start. Um, because even if Haglin's not fit to start, you still think. We can do it. Yeah, we, we can just do it. Showed it. Yeah. And if if Mascara's back, Mascara, Murphy, Powell, it's fine. So that 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 sounds great to me. Um, so I'm going to say one nothing. Yeah. Once once <laughs> again, I asked I asked the question: Is Lucho Costa going to play this game? Presumably, what are that, the emotions like for Lucho going back to DC against Wayne Rooney? Um, he did that last year, I think. He did well, seem, it care. seemed fine. He, he did that earlier this year, and it seemed <laughs> Is he fine. Be and... Weeping on the field. <laughs> no, we went up there last year and won like what six two. Right, we did do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. vibes are I high. Forgot, I forgot Rooney was in charge back then. Uh, yeah, Chief, what what, what scoreline are you putting on this? Three one. Three one sounds good. Three one, yeah. I don't know. I, I hate to do Roman dirty like that, but. You know, eventually <laughs> one's bound to go in. Right. I will do two to nothing. FC Cincinnati. Nothing can stop us. Why not? I would really like to see one of the youngsters get a goal or at least get a full 45 minutes. So maybe we can get those goals in early and uh, and see the youngsters go out there a little bit longer. This this away leg. Um, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, gentlemen, I think that's a postcast. I do want to say thank you to everybody using the Cincy Shirts link and code. You are you are doing God's work. We are uh, well on our way to covering some of the hosting costs. And I cannot thank you enough. My wife cannot thank you enough. So keep keep on keeping on there. And uh, we appreciate you. Yeah, the next thing we need to do is going to add one more promo code. So the post since is great, but I'm thinking of another really good promo code we could use if you guys are into it. What is it? Fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. 
Also, be sure to check out The Post Sensi at thepostsensi.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.